There's so much to see here. In addition to displays on individual groups, you'll find rows and rows of glass cases where you can compare carving, musical instruments, body ornaments, tattooing equipment, and cloth. There are also great freestanding examples of Paiwan carving and sculpture, significant human figures that once stood outside homes, for instance. There are boats, rich examples of weaving and beadwork, a wealth of objects crammed into a single hall that you will have to yourself if you visit. The roads outside may be crowded, but I've never seen anyone other than a single attendant here. It's a marvelous secret collection showcasing the rich variety of Taiwan's first cultures. I hope you have a chance to check it out. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. RTI news, programs, pictures, and more online at english.rti.org.tw. Check it out. Check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Melody Xu is the co-founder and CEO of Via Sweat, a women's activewear brand in Taiwan. She went to Babson College, which is a college in the same town that I went to for college in Wellesley, uh, Massachusetts, in the States. She said she studied marketing, and after graduation, she just wanted to start some kind of business right away. She thought about cupcakes, because it was the craze back then, but her husband told her that, but you don't bake, you don't make cupcakes. So that idea was chucked. Then she thought she'll make lunchboxes, known as biandang in Taiwan, or bento in Japanese. It's the takeaway lunchboxes that office workers often buy to bring back to work and eat at their desks. Usually, they would include vegetables, maybe an egg, and then some kind of meat or fish item over white rice, of course. But then her husband said something like, but you don't really cook, so it's not a good idea. So finally, she thought of women's activewear. She loves exercising herself, like she loves doing yoga. Anyway, Last week, it sounded like she and her husband worked very well together in the business. But is it? We're going to find out today. Did you two ever fought over... Oh. <laughs> we, do we have enough time well, to talk just, about this? <laughs> it's just that because I feel like, I mean, from the sound of it, that you guys are very clear about what each other's responsibilities are and there's no crossing over. There's no like crossing over boundaries of each other. That's how I felt. On paper, but it looks that on way, paper, right? It looks that way. <laughs> um, what, we, we, what we fought most about was because for, from his standpoint, he looked at the numbers. He knew like, you know, how our sales were doing. He knew about our cash flow. He, he, he could foresee like any problems that we were going to run into. And so he would be like, you know, we need to do a sale. We need to do a promotion. We need to run a sale. And then for me, because I'm, I don't look at numbers mm. and I'm more worried about the branding, the marketing, the brand image. So for me to do a sale and then maybe we just did a sale, but we need to do another sale just uh -huh. to kind of get inventory going. I would think that that would hurt our brand image because people that like are maybe our brand positioning or in people's mindset, they would think like, oh, this oh, brand would yeah. always have have sales. We'll just mm -hmm. wait for another sale. Mm -hmm. um, so oh. we fought a lot over this because he he thought that, you know, we have to do a sale. Otherwise, we can't meet our bills and we can't keep going. And then for me, I'd be like, we can't do a sale because 
then our fans will, our customers will be waiting for our next sale. And mm-hmm. then we're just going to be cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And then mm-hmm. at the end, you know, mm-hmm. we fought a lot over this. But yeah. I guess in the end, he kind of won because his argument was, well, if we don't have a business, we don't have a brand. <laughs> I was uh-huh. like, touche. That is a solid point. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's run a sale. <laughs> You're right. Um, oh, wow. But we've had to learn a lot about, because I guess there's always that power struggle, especially because, you know, husband, wife, co-founders, Um, There's always going to be a power struggle. There's always going to be, you know, who has the last say. And and especially when a lot of the stresses from because there is no work life balance. It's really hard for you to shut off, especially Mm -hmm. for the well-being of the family kind of depends on the well-being, how your company is doing. There were a lot of times where you had to bring business home and, you know, talk about it even even at home. Um, I guess that could be stressful. And there was a lot of things that we had to work through and. But I mean, at the end of the day, just to have a partner who knows exactly what you're going through, you know, you can you can release all of that emotional stress on him. He knows what it's like. And to to have someone like that, I think it's it's really it's really special. Okay, so you spent four years in in the States and after college, you just came back to Taiwan. You really felt like there was more opportunities here starting a business, although I think this is great. Everybody should come back to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I think Taiwan is a great place. I mean, we did well with the COVID and all that. But, you know, I mean, there is a lot of opportunities. And I think Taiwan needs to, you know, have more global vision. What made you think that this is the right thing to do coming mm-hmm. back to Taiwan? To be honest, I didn't I didn't see all of that yet. Yeah. Okay. When I first moved back, I was just straight out of college. Um, at that time, there weren't that many people hiring for pay. It was a lot of unpaid internships. You mean there or here? In the States. Mm. In the States at that time, about, um, I don't know, how long has it been? 10, <laughs> 11 years ago? Yeah. So my family told me to come back. There was just a lot more opportunities in Asia. But how and did they so, say that? I mean, opportunities. Like, he, they were in, in just what like, way? <laughs> I'm going to cut you off. It's time to come back. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that straightforward. Okay. Yeah. They were just like, you know, don't waste your time. Stop wasting your time there. Um, come back. And then so, yeah, I mean, I, I was open to it. I didn't really have a plan. Um, I tried to get a job in the States, which didn't work out. So I was like, all right, we'll just try to get a job in, in Asia. And then I was very fortunate that the first job that took me was was my quote, my dream job. Talking about Viasweat. Advertising. Oh, right, right, right. Firm. Oh, you did. When so I you first... did work in advertising for, right, for, for how long? Like two um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think years. it was like on and off two, yeah. two or three years. Um, did you like that? I learned a lot. I did enjoy it. I, I, I did enjoy it. It was what I wanted to do at mm. that time. I learned a lot of, you know, discipline and I learned a lot about how to communicate with because as a as an account you have to um kind of you're kind of like the liaison between the creative side and the client side Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of communication about like what do you want and what do you want and i think that skill set was important for me when i started my own company and you know talking with all these different functions you know investors or suppliers or you know, PR or, or influencers. Yeah, that, that was a really great experience. I had really great managers and bosses. So in okay. the middle, I kind of was, um, I, I went to like this import-export kind of company. Oh, I had really did. great pay. Yeah. Wasn't what I wanted to do, but uh. I guess at that time, I just needed like to save up. Yeah. Yeah, and to kind of think about what I wanted to do next. Mm, okay. So yeah, I did that for a year or two. And, mm. then, and then we got married. And around that time, I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Like now or never, I'm going to try it. 
You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Well, you know, um, I've gone on the website and I see that your activewear, it's got a zipper up front for the, for the, right, uh, the like the bra. bra. Yeah, right. sports bra. Which I think is a great idea because you know they're really hard to put on if you have to like go over they're your head. Especially kind of hard stuff. to take off after. Oh, right, your exactly. That's it. It's very very hard to take off. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So I thought that's that. That's a beautiful part about you know your brand. So do you design them or you you've got I a designer? D- no, no, I design them. Cool. Just because it's just something. I mean, when I created a brand, it had to be things that I I wanted to wear and yeah. I love to wear. So um, the zipper thing yeah. was kind of kind of put us on the map because everyone was like oh my god yeah like these, <laughs> why didn't we think about this <laughs> what, yeah, it's, it's awful to take off so yeah that that we were very lucky with that um oh my gosh you've not studied design and you're doing this you know <laughs> that that's that's it just really came from the heart it was like a just user sort of yeah like, and then it was a couple um after the birth of my first of my my daughter my oldest daughter and it was around that time where I wanted to put in an element of sustainability into oh, right. our brand. Because, I mean, functional and how it looks, the design is really important. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking about, you know, the impact. And, yeah, I have a great platform um, that we built. But, um, like, for my for my children, I mean, if I'm able to lessen the impact or just, you know, play a little, little role in... Um, just kind of fashion sustainability. I wanted to incorporate that as much as we could into our brand. Mm, that is great. Now, since coming back to Taiwan, so it's been what? Uh, how long? How many years has it been back? Yeah, no, Almost 10, 10 something. Yeah, 10, right? 10 so what have you seen about Taiwan? You know, some great things about Taiwan. Um, what have you discovered about Taiwan since starting this business? Yeah. So we can um, promote Taiwan to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Say some good things about Taiwan. <laughs> um. I think especially this year, I think with COVID, I think it's it's given us such a chance to appreciate not just the beauty of Taiwan, but a lot of the talents come back. And I feel like everyone's kind of seen that, you know, it's really time to invest in Taiwan. Taiwan has so many great resources, it has so much potential. Mm. And, you know... At one on one hand, I do want to promote it, but on the other hand, I don't because it's just <laughs> such oh. a great, you know. It's it's such a. I mean, I, I there's so much potential here, and mm-hmm. you don't want it to be saturated. I don't want it to be. Yeah, saturated. I'm a little afraid. <laughs> I mean, I know there are a lot of people who are dying for any opportunity to come to Taiwan right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I kind of want it's like our little secret. <laughs> right. um, no, but I, I see a lot of you know a lot of really great talent, um, people who have done a lot in the states in Silicon Valley or in California, come back and invest in Taiwan with their. With their with their know how and or in terms of financial the technology the talent here and I think just the hunger I think a lot of the people here especially after being in the startup kind of community in the circle there's a lot a lot of great ideas but there's just maybe a lack of that stage that like push that yep. like you know someone who's maybe been there done that or to kind of pave the road for these people coming yeah, yeah. Um, so to see a lot of these people come back and kind of help pave that road or to kind of lend a hand or to kind of hold their hand or even I think it's 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 a really great time to be in Taiwan right now mm, you made some really good points I totally agree they just need help I mean right. we've got some great ideas and, and potential but they don't they have they don't really have to know how so if we have people really providing a kind of platform and everything but um but you're a good start with your brand <laughs> and you know having 
actually, you were born in the States and you came back to Taiwan, your route. <laughs> and um, where do you want to go from here? Um, you and your husband with Via Sweat. Mm. I know there's that sustainability you're doing in there, but right. maybe five years from now, sure. 10 years from now, are right. you a thinker-header kind of person? I am, I am. I do have goals. I do have, yeah, I do have a vision of where I want to go. Um, Via Sweat, we are looking, I mean, we're expanding globally. We're doing a lot of, we're getting a lot of orders from Hong Kong and Singapore, Malaysia, a wow. lot of Southeast Asia mm-hmm. um, business. So we definitely want to continue pushing kind of um, global, to, towards the global market um, with a really strong sort of um, push in sustainability, making sure our text, our textiles are, making sure our fabrics, making sure our logistics or operations are green and sustainable. And then um, I'm actually doing a certification and I'm, I'm studying to become a certified wellness coach. Oh. So I do want to continue doing things in the wellness industry, in the wellness field. I have a couple of ideas lined up. Things in, I mean, I, I'm always interested in fitness. So yeah, definitely things in fitness. Um, and then on the side, I do want to be able to work more with um, startup, the startup community or with women, especially mm. the whole women empowerment. Um, kind of being where I am now and going through, you know, two kids and a business and, you know, starting off with your husband and all that things. I feel like there's people who are looking to me for, for, for advice or for feedback and um, to be able to give back and to be able to work with these women. And I, I, I love that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> are you gonna eventually going to be like incorporating men's sportswear? <laughs> I get that question a lot. Yeah, um, definitely. I think we have the opportunity. I, yeah. we, we would love to. It's the, yeah. Yeah, well, your we husband likes to work out too, right? Just he does. like you, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen some, you know, uh, of your pictures on Instagram. You're like doing a headstand or heads headstand handstand headstand <laughs> on a um. What do you call that? On the water. Oh, oh, the stand a, up stand up on the sup board. A stand that up was you, right? Board. Yeah, that was my me. goodness. <laughs> You know, that's enough to convince people like, let's go work out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so one last question. You said that you're more into active wear, women's wear for Asian or American Asian women. Mm. How are Asian women mm-hmm. body wise different right. from maybe Caucasians? Sure. I mean, scientifically wise, there is we Asians or of Asian descent have different fat distribution than Caucasians. And so we have a lot more concern with things like um, armpit (sighs) fat. Yeah. Am I too late for that? I'm going on (laughs) 60. That's always like, I was like, oh, well, forget about it, you know. (laughs) Things like that. Or, you know, we we are more concerned with um, push-up, having, you know, push-up effect on our our chest area or having our butts look more mm. yeah there's we we have certain concerns that i think caucasian brands don't realize yeah huh. so. good point you're right you're really <laughs> right about those wow this is really cool well it was so great talking to it you melody it was really great being here thank you so much yeah and i'm um, good luck with your your brand i mean you guys are a great example i mean you know husband and wife working together it doesn't necessarily work for every couple, you know, but um, maybe I'm sure there's some tips there that you can give to couples who are thinking about starting a business together. And also, I'm glad that you're, you're thinking about this women empowerment kind of thing, because mm. I was just thinking that, wow, you know, there needs to be more platform for young entrepreneurs in general, period. Thank you so much, Melody. Thank you, Shirley. Yeah, it was really great meeting you. Me too. And good with family and kids and, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> and you. be a sweat. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye.
Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. The poets in the latter Tang Dynasty faced tumultuous times, tragedies, and disappointments. And part of how they dealt with it was by writing poems about what they saw and felt. Their writings help us understand the people and history of the times, and for them, it was probably therapeutic. Let's take a look at some poems by the great Tang Dynasty poet Du Fu, written when he was bemoaning the upheaval of the great Tang Dynasty by the Anlusan Rebellion. Night in the Watchtower While winter daylight shortens in the elemental scale And snow and frost whiten the cold circling night Stark sounds the fifth watch with the challenge of drum and bugle The stars and the river of heaven pulse over the three mountains I hear women in the distance, wailing after the battle. I see barbarian fishermen and woodcutters in the dawn. Sleeping dragon, plunging horse, are no generals now. They are dust. Hush for a moment, O oh, tumult of the world. This work is called Poetic Thoughts on Ancient Sites. Forlorn in the northeast, among wind and dust. Drifting in the southwest between heaven and earth. Lingering for days and months in towers and terraces at the three gorges. Sharing clouds and mountains with the costumes of the five streams. The barbarian serving the ruler in the end was unreliable. The wandering poet lamenting the times had no chance to return. Yuxin throughout his life was most miserable. In his waning years, his poetry stirred the land of rivers and passes.
Here's the second part of that poem, Poetic Thoughts on Ancient Sites. Decay and Decline Deep knowledge have I of Song Yu's grief. Romantic and refined, he too is my teacher. Sadly looking across a thousand autumns, one shower of tears, melancholy in different epochs, not at the same time. Among rivers and mountains his old abode, empty his writings, deserted terrace of cloud and rain, surely not just imagined in a dream. Utterly the palaces of Chu are all destroyed and ruined. The fishermen pointing them out today are unsure. Let's end with this poem by Du Fu called Thoughts of Old Time. Ten thousand ranges and valleys approach the Jing Gate, and the village in which the Lady of Light was born and bred. She went out from the Purple Palace into the desert land. She has now become a green grave in the yellow dusk. Her face, can you picture a wind of the spring? Her spirit by moonlight returns with the tinkling song of the Tartars on her jade guitar, telling her eternal sorrow. Those are some of the famous poems by Tang Dynasty poet Du Fu, writing about the sorrows of the late Tang Dynasty. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Taiwan is requiring face masks at most indoor public places. The new rule took effect on December 1st. Health officials say it's a preventive measure as global COVID-19 cases begin to peak in the fall and the winter months. If you're flying to Taiwan anytime after December 1st, there's some new rules you'll need to know. They're part of the fall-winter COVID-19 prevention program. Travelers need to present a negative COVID-19 test taken within three days of departure. Face masks are required in eight public places, everywhere from hospitals and clinics to public transportation. Those that don't comply will face a fine of up to 15,000 Taiwan dollars. That's more than 500 U.S. dollars. And finally, they're boosting case reporting and specimen collection at hospitals and clinics.
It's been more than 200 days since Taiwan last recorded a domestic transmission of COVID-19, and the authorities and people of Taiwan are hoping to keep it that way. Andrew Ryan, RTI News. A sudden drop in temperature could trigger acute coronary syndrome, a disease that includes unstable angina pectoris and acute myocardial infarction. A Taiwanese doctor urges the public to stay warm in the wintertime and watch out for symptoms such as chest pains, sweating, and nausea. It's getting colder and colder each day. Recently, a plumber and electrician in his 30s was diagnosed with acute myocardial infarction after complaining of shortness of breath and severe chest pains. Dr. Chen Bonian, a neurologist, says cardiovascular diseases are most likely to happen in winter as they could be triggered by a sudden drop in temperature. Besides weather changes, the disease can also be triggered by anxiety, exercise, or after having a big meal. The symptoms include chest tightness, a sense of suppression in the chest, sweating, and nausea. Those with high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and cholesterol levels are particularly at risk. Dr. Chen urged the public to keep warm and seek medical care right away should those symptoms develop. They should also stop exercising immediately. With the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic and more people spending time at home, it is important to know that you are living in a safe and healthy building. For the first time, Taiwan has a building that is not only green, it was awarded the highest global honor for enhancing health and wellness. It is also the first postpartum care center in the world to win the award. In August, a postpartum care center in Taiwan was awarded the Well Platinum 2020 by the International Well Building Institute, or IWBI. Known as the Oscars in architecture, the IWBI awards are leading the global movement to transform buildings to help people thrive. The buildings are focused on wellness for people who use them. They integrate medicine, science, and AI to measure the healthiness of a building based on 10 indicators, including air, sunlight and water. The postpartum care center in Taipei, known as Infant 6, will be featured in a Discovery Channel documentary that will be shown in Asia on December 2nd. The documentary hopes to show how Taiwan is revolutionizing the way we think about our living environment. There are 4.1 million buildings nationwide that are over 30 years old. That means one in every two buildings is considered old. Perhaps it's time for the government to help with healthier living and renovate old buildings with wellness in mind. Shirley Lin, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Hundred-year traditions are hard to come by in any family, but what happens when it involves an entire town? Poli Township goes vegetarian for one week every 12 years. Why? Religion. Every 12 years, Puli Township in central Taiwan's Nanto County comes together and goes vegetarian for a week. You won't find any meat at any food stalls, and you won't be able to satisfy your carnivorous cravings by purchasing it at a market, either super or traditional. 
Why the move away from meat? Religion. This week-long town-wide veggie binge is part of a hundred-year tradition. When something is that integrated into a local culture, enterprise can't possibly beat out a 100-year heritage, right? Well, one potsticker vendor in Puli was found dishing out meat during the crucial week. And what do people think? Well, they're pretty forgiving. One woman says there are still students, tourists, and followers of other religions in the area that don't necessarily have to partake in the custom. The township government says that it won't be twisting any arms. If you want to go veg for the week, then go veg. If not, it just asks you to respect your fellow citizen. Leslie Liao, RTI News. This is the season for a Taiwanese delicacy. Mully roll is a favorite during the winter months, especially during the upcoming Chinese New Year holiday. However, a warmer winter may hamper yearly production. A torrent of fresh fish falls out the back of a truck like a waterfall. These are mullets, and no, we don't mean the hairdo. Mullets are being harvested this time of year, not for their meat, but for their eggs. That's because cured mullet roe is a favorite among Taiwanese during this time of year. However, mullet roe producers are biting their nails. That's because Taiwan's Central Weather Bureau has forecasted that the temperature in the coming weeks could break 30 degrees Celsius. Warmer temperatures spell trouble for the mullet roe industry. As one mullet row expert tells us, higher temperatures disrupt the curing process. If warm conditions persist for too long, that could be the end of entire batches of mullet row. A combination of extra competition from imported products and decreasing demand amid the COVID-19 pandemic have already put mullet row producers in a bind. Prices have fallen for two years in a row. Now, Mother Nature is adding another layer of worry. Leslie Liao, RTI News. This is the season for Mandarin oranges in Taiwan, but farmers are frowning. That's because a notorious kind of bug has been destroying the orange trees before harvest time. But not to worry, because some farmers have found a way to get rid of the pests without using pesticides. For a long time, Taiwanese fruit farmers have been tormented by white-spotted longhorn beetles. Their larvae are born within the wood of fruit trees, and they destroy the trees from within. The beetles, native to Asia, are responsible for about five million U.S. dollars in pre-harvest losses of mandarin oranges each year. The pests can also destroy trees that yield guavas, lychees, carambolas, wax apples, longans, and papayas. In Taiwan, though, farmers no longer need to worry about this pest. After five years of research, some farmers in eastern Taiwan have come up with a way to battle the pests by using air compressors. The compressors inject pressurized air into the tree bark and kill the larvae without the need for chemicals. Farmers say one of these air compressors only costs 1,000 U.S. dollars, a small sacrifice to make for a rich orange crop. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye.
The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. What is referred to as an economic cooperation agreement, and we intensely negotiated that in 2019. I am extremely happy that we actually signed that agreement on the 30th of September in this year. It took us that length of time because, again, CARICOM had to vet it. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Taiwan and Belize signed an economic cooperation agreement in late September. And Belize is a member of the Caribbean Community and Common Market, or known as CARICOM. The ambassador of Belize, Ambassador Diane Hallot, said Taiwan and Belize worked on the agreement in 2019, and it took them a year to sign the agreement because CARICOM had to vet it and to make sure the agreement does not adversely affect the CARICOM grouping, which is made up of 15 member states. As a member of the Caribbean Community and Common Market, or CARICOM, products made in Belize become more competitive in the EU market. And to find out more about this issue, we are joined today by the Ambassador of Belize, Ambassador Diane Haylock. I think we have to understand that some of the difficulties or challenges in terms of the whole bilateral trade between Belize and Taiwan has to do with things like the size of our economy. I mean, Belize, as you may know, is less than 400,000 people. So the economy of scale, you know, is, is, is just so, so small. For instance, if you look at the, the trade between um, Taiwan and our neighboring countries in Central America, it's huge. It's much mm-hmm. bigger. But that has to do, as I said, with the overall economy, you know, of, of scale. So and and because you did not have um uh concentrated or 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 sort of assertive, you know, uh trade uh and investment uh um mechanism or system in place, I think things sort of uh, happened more by chance than deliberate, you know, strategic effort on the part of both Belize and and um, and Taiwan. So that is reflected in 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 numbers, you know, that that you see, for instance. Um, Belize is also part of the Caribbean community, you know, uh, we we call it CARICOM, you know, Mm -hmm. for for short. And by virtue of being in CARICOM, the kind of trade that we can do with any country outside of our regional grouping is extremely limited because 
we we have a com, uh, a caricom single market and economy and so we're obligated through the caricom charter to negotiate uh free trade agreements together as a region so it's 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 difficult for belize and taiwan to have a direct free trade agreement between us as Taiwan does again with our Central American countries. So there are free trade agreements between Taiwan and Guatemala, Taiwan and Nicaragua, Taiwan and, and Honduras and Paraguay and, you know, um, some of the other countries that, that left Taiwan, yes. you know. Um, but because of our existence in CARICOM, and that's because you're dealing with a whole lot of little countries. I mean, Belize is large in comparison to some of the others. <laughs> you have, you have, for instance, the 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 um the other Caribbean allies here: Saint Kitts and Nevis, and Saint um Saint Lucia and and um Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. And their their populations are even smaller. I mean, you know, Saint Vincent and Saint Kitts, uh, not Saint, Saint Kitts, Saint Lucia might be a little bit over a hundred thousand. Saint Kitts, it's less than a hundred thousand you know so we basically as small developing countries you know had to come together to as a group as a group to be able to increase our chances then of being able to no negotiate you know on the international you know uh, in the international trade um, arena so over the over the while then we've been Taiwan and Belize have been in discussions about how we might still be able to do something together despite those limitations and what caricom allows us to do is to yes have bilateral agreements with countries however it cannot be to the detriment of the CARICOM mm -hmm. group. So it means then that whatever agreements you make with any country, CARICOM has to vet it. And you know, uh, the vetting process can be quite <laughs> complicated. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is Radio Taiwan International. So what we agreed to do then was an what what is referred to as an economic cooperation agreement and we intensely negotiated that in 2019 and i am extremely happy that we actually signed that agreement on the 30th of september and in this year and and it took us that length of time because again caricom had to vet it and ensure that there was nothing in the in the agreement that would adversely affect you know the caricom um the caricom group so i'm saying that to say then that i think that the trade now has the possibility to increase once we operationalize the agreement. So, for example, um, we have a couple um, Taiwanese who import Belize lobster. And we have one of the best lobster in the world, yes. even if I say so myself, yes. right? Um, but 
the 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 duties you know that they have to pay on the importation of Belize's lobster is extremely high. So then they're more inclined to import lobster from one of the countries where there is a free trade agreement where they don't have to pay any duty. But what this economic cooperation agreement allows us to do is that we have these different categories and we're able to say, well, category A, for instance, there will be no duty on those items that fall in that category. And then you have uh, category B, C, D, and, and E. And B you start off by by reducing the duties to it's it's a three year period so equally each year you re- reduce the duties to year 3 when you eliminate the duties completely right and uh, category c is a five year period and then d is a 10 year period so this really then makes it more possible for us to improve the trade. And it's it's a two-way street because there are also products that Belize then would, you know, give the same, um, Taiwanese products that Belize then would give the same treatment. Um, to, 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 to be honest, I mean, you, you would probably realize that the size of our economy would mean that looking at the agreement, you might see it as being more favorable to Belize as a as a less developed country, or as we refer to it within the context of the United Nations, you know, the small island developing states or the 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 the, the low lying, you know, developing um, developing states, right? So one has to understand that, you know, from the beginning. And as I said before, the size of the Belize economy means that uh, there are many more products you know, that, that Taiwan is giving the, the, you know, the different treatments to f- products from Belize that Taiwan is giving than the products that Belize, you know, will give the similar treatment to, you know, um, to from Taiwan. But at least the good news is that we are going to have more lobsters from Belize in the future. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And also the agricultural products. I know that uh, yes. I think um, Taiwanese have also been very fascinated with um, a lot of products uh, uh, from uh, more like the tropical um, areas. For example, um, you have uh, tropical fruits such as uh, soursop. Yeah, and I haven't seen soursop in Taiwan. No, no, no. I think which is uh, probably, um, I think a lot of Taiwanese will like that. I I think that um, you start from the premise that Taiwanese, I think generally, are concerned about their health and Mm well-being. So if they hear that this particular thing has some um, health Benefits. Benefits, I think that that sparks <laughs> an interest, you know, immediately. And the soursop leaf and, um, I mean, if the fruit, the, 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 the fruit really tastes good. Mm. But, but the health benefits that are associated with it, I think um, um, it's something that, that we could see more happening, you know, with, with, with Taiwan through this um, agreement. I, I, I think that um, there is still... Uh, a lot of work to be done in terms of um, actually growing the soursop industry because to a large extent it's still not at the level of 
industry. So that is an area, for instance, uh, that has potential investment. How could you take this product from where it's at, you know, to, to, to one where it becomes a viable industry you know for yeah. for I do for look Belize. forward to that product yeah. here in Taiwan from Belize soursop yeah. you know yeah yes yeah. Um, have you had it before uh, I've had it um, I had it uh, in uh, I think Indonesia Malaysia yeah, and yeah. Singapore but One you know those, you don't yes. see uh, uh, that kind of fruit yeah, here no. in Taiwan but yeah. I really do look forward to that yeah. especially the one from Belize yes <laughs> <laughs> now ambassador other agreement is the aviation agreement. Does yes. it mean that there will be um, a direct flight probably in the future from Taipei to Philip um, Golson International Airport in Belize City? Well, the, the agreement allows us to do that, to explore the possibilities mm-hmm. then of direct flights, you know, um, between Taiwan and Belize. I cannot personally speak about the feasibility of it at this particular point in time because again you have to look at the numbers yes. nobody's going to do it for the love of <laughs> our two countries you know the love that we have for each other you know love love will not you know <laughs> pay the bills <laughs> so yeah. you 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 have to look at the economic um you know cost um and and so i think that the agreement basically gives us the opportunity to explore and then to 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 ensure that we understand it the the mutuality you know of of this that it must be mutually beneficial to you know to to, to both our countries that we will treat each other fairly that we will deal with the issues of safety and security you know that we will put in place all the necessary protocols to ensure that we are adhering to the 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 um the policies the rules and regulations of the international civil aviation mm-hmm. organization so the the agreement spells spells that out you know um and and we we understand then the basis the the, the transparency you know from which we are obligated to 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 operate right so i um i i hope i hope that 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 we will soon once 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 these agreements come into force because they're still they still need to now come into force we've signed the agreements but you know that each of our two countries have uh, you know uh, legal things that mm-hmm. they need to do and we then have to inform each other when we're ready to actually bring these agreements into force and so i hope that um once we do that in the civil aviation part, uh, that, that, that we'll be able to explore and find, you know, find possibilities. And that was the Ambassador of Belize, Ambassador Diane Haylock. Do join us again next week as Ambassador Diane Haylock will tell us what she hopes to achieve in the year 2021. And that's it for this week's online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next Wednesday. Thank Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. 
Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kilohertz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.